When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review AEW Rampage, a show dominated by one match, basically. Yes, absolutely. This is the Hook Show. The Hook Show was great. Hook is an incredible prospect. The presentation was immaculate. The first match was great. I even had time for the main event. Uh, mostly, this is a very, very good show of pro wrestling television. Yeah, really enjoyed this. Um, sort of... You know, we'd heard about the buzz in the week, obviously, what with it being taped after uh, after Dynamite. We discussed it on the preview. We'd seen clips of his entrance from fan footage, etc. And then I wasn't able to watch the match until Sunday evening. I'd seen some of your tweets, some of Andy's tweets, and didn't really want to read t- too much of them to not yeah. spoil any of it for myself. But I had very, very high expectations, understandably. And holy... He far exceeded them. We'll talk about it. We'll get to it when we get to his match. Let's start at the beginning of the show. It opened, no messing about, both teams in the ring uh, with the AEW Tag Team Championships on the line. (laughs) And thank goodness, Michael Sidgwick, we finally got a great Lucha Bros versus FTR match because we've always been really hopeful for these two teams. And it just never seemed to really gel until I thought Friday night. Yeah, they've had three matches before this. The first of which was at um, Fighter Fest 2020, where it just didn't happen at all. Like, really clunky botches, chemistry issues. There was obviously some good wrestling within all that, but I remember thinking, Jesus Christ, what a n- massive disappointment that was. They had a second match. Um, they'd obviously worked together really well in an eight-man as well um, around that mm. time. Um, they had a second match, which was just a gimmick match, when it was this, uh, Super Ranas. Which, again, he had a glimpse of what the match could be, but it was essentially a uh, match, an angle masquerading as a match. Mm. They were at full gear, some excellent spots, but just moments of, like, clunky miscommunication, timing errors, peaked before the finish. It just... Even this match had three or four moments where I'm thinking, oh, come on, lads, where... For example, when the Lucha Bros were attempting a double team, there was, like, time stood still. And when it's wrestled at such a clip when there's any kind of a standstill it kind of is all the more deflating yeah uh i think it was the spot where 
Penta was trying to get Phoenix to jump onto his shoulders mm-hmm. so he could do the frog splash off his shoulders. The actual execution of the move itself was phenomenal. It looked like Dax Harwood, I think it was, taking that one. looked incredibly winded, which is the whole point of a diving attack delivered to the abdomen. But you had to see Penta like go... Like, nod, like, now, come on, then, Um <laughs> So two or three moments like that. Like, I still think they've got a better match in them. This is certainly very, very great and the best one they've had so far. I've wanted this match to happen, and it happened. Yeah, it was, I, I mean, credit to them, like you say. They, they've got it together, and they made me want to see the two out of three falls match. <laughs> now we've had this one. Uh, let's talk about the match itself. Phoenix and Dax Harwood start off. Uh, Cash Wheeler immediately tries to run in into fear, but Phoenix takes both of them out. Then we got that spot quite early on, like you say, with Penta coming in, Phoenix coming off his shoulders for a splash. Um, Penta's doing the whole glove gimmick. Wheeler interrupts it, and then uh, they go back and forth, and then Penta chucks his glove in the air. Wheeler concentrates on catching that, and then he eats a super kick. That was class. I popped my tits off. Uh, Phoenix comes in off a blind tag, cross-body block, uh, sends him out of the ring. Uh, Harwood then throws Phoenix into the ring apron on the outside. FTR then take control. Wheeler hits the assisted leg drop on Phoenix for a nice near fall. Uh, Harwood goes up top, surprisingly, at that point, but Phoenix catches him with a forearm and hits a jumping Rana to take us into break. When we come back, Phoenix eventually gets out of the uh, FTR onslaught to make the hot tag to Penta, um, who takes both members down of FTR with sling blades, uh, a long blower on Dax Harwood. Um, he hit Wheeler with uh, Made in Japan for a nice two count. Phoenix tries to go up top for the spike pile driver, but Tully Blanchard tries to run interference. So Phoenix catches him, trying to swing for him, and knocks him down to the floor. Uh, Harwood hit a slingshot Liger bomb on Phoenix for a great near fall again. Uh, Wheeler then tries to hit Phoenix with one of the title belts, but Phoenix catches him. And in the tug of war, uh, Wheeler accidentally clocks Harwood as, as re- Phoenix wrestles it away from him. Then Phoenix goes up top to hit the frog splash, but in the time it takes, Harwood's recovered and uh, gets the belt to, on uh, Phoenix as he makes the jump. And then he gets a near fall off the back of that. Um, Phoenix comes off the top again onto Harwood, but uh, he gets hit with a big rig for what I thought was the finish, to be perfectly honest. Fantastic two count. Penta breaks it up by flying off the top rope uh, into Harwood, I believe, into the pile. Um, then they, they all stand toe-to-toe in the middle of the ring and just start twatting each other as they as much as they could. Uh, Phoenix hits a rolling cutter on Harwood, then goes for one on Cash Wheeler, who counters him into a fantastic gory bomb that I saw you uh, singing the praises of on Twitter, Sige. Uh, Penta goes to the package pile driver on Cash Wheeler. He escapes, uh, but they eventually manage to team up to hit Fear Factor on Wheeler. Uh, Phoenix topes out of the ring onto Harwood to make sure he can't break up the pinfall. One, two, three... The Lucha Bros retain the tag titles. Yeah, like 95% of this was totally fantastic. Just to be fair and reasoned, 5% of it was somewhat affected by the same kind of chemistry and timing issues that has weirdly afflicted this dynamic um, since they've first stood in opposite corners of the ring. That big rig near fall would have looked, would have been so much better had they actually nailed the move itself. Mm. They didn't quite get there. Uh, There was another moment when um, they were trying to FTR position Phoenix um, to get him to flip over their heads, duck under them, and then do the hot tag before the sling blades. That was a little bit messy and a little bit sloppy, but everything else in the match was fantastic. A gory bomb. Yeah. The actual flow wasn't disrupted. There was like just a few tiny glitches, not like an uneven, disjointed... Mm -hmm. um, 
quality um, to the flow of the match, which has affected this um, pairing before. Just glitches, not disjointed botches outright. Um, yeah, that gory bomb was incredible. If you go and watch it, even Phoenix, who's one of the best wrestlers, and it, certainly the most exciting wrestlers, but also one of the very best all-round in-ring pro wrestlers on the planet, even he has a tendency to do the flying nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's great when he gets super kicked because he can properly pretend his ankles have been shattered backwards in on themselves. <laughs> but even he's capable of doing the flying nothing. Um, a flying nothing is, as you know, or if you don't know, it's when a wrestler's about to launch into an aerial attack, but it's not actually looking like they're attacking anything. They just want to facilitate getting kicked in the face or something. Yeah, diving headfirst off the top rope when you never hit a diving head, but for example, and then oh, I've been caught into an RKO. Yeah, like that exact kind of thing. This was the opposite of a flying nothing because he was going to do this uh, roll through into a cutter. You can actually see his arms motion to drive Cash Wheeler's head to the canvas, and that made the actual subsequent reversal all the better. Cash Wheeler's timing was phenomenal. I feel like I'm just writing an audio love letter to that guy <laughs> right now on these podcasts. He catches the arms that are meant for the back of his head with his arms, turns around and kills the guy <laughs> face chest first uh, with the gory bomb and if you watch it again i watched this about 20 times 20 freaking times it was such a great spot phoenix knowing that he's trapped and he's defenseless and he's going to get his head caved in just shakes his head frantically from side to side cause it's the only body part you can do like no 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 incredible um cash wheeler did a similar kind of sell just before he was about to take made in japan yeah. Like his frantic flailing of, oh, I'm knackered here, <laughs> registers the impact of the move before that impact looks absolutely incredible. The timing of the belt stuff was phenomenal as well. I love the callback to the um, the very first mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. Well, not the first. The first match they had in 2021 was great um, because he genuinely thought that it was so well-timed because Rick Knox, he didn't know who'd hit him with the belt, so he couldn't do anything about it. And Dax Harwood's, Belt shot for the subsequent um, frog splash reversal, which is great. The whole thing flowed tremendously, other than those aforementioned glitches. And what I loved most about it was genuinely the drama was totally electrifying. Like you thought within half a second of every reversal that the finish was going to be mm-hmm. um, executed in either direction in the favor of either team. Just palpitations ensued <laughs> from the fact that the reversals were 2.999. It was all tremendous, mostly. You've just reminded me there. Um, we do need to take a pause in this review uh, to, to submit an apology, a sincere apology yes. from myself, Michael Sidgwick, and uh, I'll be honest, all of us here at What Culture Wrestling, we made a, a fatal error, and it's inexcusable, if I'm honest. On Friday, yep. myself and Michael Sidgwick were reviewing, uh, or previewing, I should say, Rampage, and as part of that discussion with, with Hook making his in-ring debut, the decision was made by myself and the yep. production team to talk about absolute pieces in AEW and I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it you know we made a really big mistake so to Wardlow I'm so sorry yes I, I, I how did we miss him I'm I just had like you know when you get like a flood of a feeling like pretty much all day today because the news is <laughs> awful pretty much all day I'm refreshing BBC I'm trying to get my freaking booster jab and I'm just thinking, oh, Christ, it's just in the pit of yeah. your stomach of, oh, when am I not going to feel like this? Yeah. It'd be so awesome at some point to not feel like this. When someone said, oh, why didn't you mention Wardlow 
in the absolute pieces discussion. But legitimately, I was like, oh man. I saw I got a uh, push notification on my phone to you responding to whoever. Thank you very much for whoever. I mean, many of you did, but whoever first pointed this out. And I just saw a tweet that said, Michael Zidrick replied, I'm so sorry for this. And I was like, what have we done? And then it was even worse than what I anticipated. So apologies to any AW fans, particularly any Wardlow fans, and particularly Wardlow, because yes, obviously he's, he's in that discussion. There are too many super hunks. Exactly. We are spoilt for choice. I feel like I can waste the court's time by raiding the super hunks. <laughs> right, anyway, uh, let's move on and talk about the trios match that came next. It was Ruby Soho, uh, Anna Jay and Tay Conti versus Nyla Rose, The Bunny and Penelope Ford. I, I don't really know why this match went on so long, if I'm perfectly honest. There was a lot of stuff to cram into this show. And I felt maybe the time could have been utilised better elsewhere. But it certainly served a purpose in terms of <laughs> just reminding you, oh, yeah, I mean, with or without shenanigans like we got here, Nyla Rose is a killer. Um, early on, Bunny gets caught in the face corner. She gets triple teamed. Uh, Conti comes in, uh, hits a pump kick on uh, Bunny, uh, locks in a guillotine. Uh, but as they're making their um, uh, escape from that, Vicky Guerrero's in the uh, heels corner, trips Conti against the ropes. That allows Penelope Ford to come in. Big boo, the heels take over at that point. Um, Nyla Rose comes in and just bats Conti into the corner. Um, Soho comes in after a while, after Conti manages to make it to her corner. Uh, she takes down Penelope Ford with a clothesline and a leg sweep. But again, Rose comes in and gets the heat on Soho to take us to the break. Uh, when we come back from the break, Anna Jay's just got the hot tag. She comes in, she's going after Nyla Rose, tries to finish her with a sleeper, but Bunny comes in, breaks that up with a super kick. Uh, and there's just a series of, of big moves. Conti hits Bunny with the take KO. Um, uh, Rose takes out Conti with a hanging neck breaker. Soho hits the no future on Rose. And then Ford takes out Soho with a hook kick. Jay suplexes Ford. And during all this, uh, Vicky Guerrero's slip, slip bunny, the brass knocks, which she uses on Anna Jay. Conti takes out the bunny. But basically, there's a woozy Anna Jay, a Nyla Rose in there. She Bursts her on the on the canvas with a beast bomb, basically. Gets the victory and is rolling towards the, the anticipated match in the TBS title tournament. Yes, absolutely. I enjoyed this far more as a showcase for Nyla Rose than I did as a match itself. It wasn't actively bad. Um, a few moments of miscommunications, which, again, are always exposed so much more badly in a trios match because um, it disrupts the flow. It was a bit when Ty Conti was trying to get, I think it was the bunny, out of the ring to create space for their respective partners to do some stuff in the match, and it creates a sense of, like, chaos and it all falling apart, but it felt all too literal, like, it took them ages to get out of the ring. The idea was, like, the sheer fury of Ty Conti was trying to power them both out of the ring, and just felt like was struggling on the ropes for ages, just little immersion-breaking mm. moments. Um, look, this match was designed to give... Nyla Rose a victory in the illusion of her being the favourite ahead of the semi-final. It accomplished that. Uh, Nyla Rose is always great. I thought she was individually very good here. Uh, I, I say this quite often, but it is a helpful um, barometer of what a good or memorable match is when we, because of our working patterns, we watched this at some point over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I'm a nerd. I watch it as soon as I'm up on the Saturday morning. And then we review it on a Monday afternoon. And I can't remember much of this at all. Mm. Just, yeah, I didn't really 
do anything. Yeah, I watched this Sunday night, and all I can vividly remember now is the parade of big moves, that shot with the brass knocks, and then the, the finish. And I, I really don't need to see Anna Jay and take on, take on Penelope Ford and the funny for, bunny for, for quite some time after this. Christ almighty, yeah, it's just... Incredibly WWE stuff. It's Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. This feud must continue. I mean, that one has please, please no, yes. Yeah, it didn't do much for me. Let's get a hook. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Well, before we get there, uh, we had a backstage interview. Well, we were attempting to have a backstage interview, surprise, surprise, uh, with Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, but before we can get anywhere near that, in comes FTR and Tully Blanchard to uh, jump both of them. Uh, Darby Allen gets chucked into a loading bay door. They're, they're initially trying to take out Sting. Darby Allen makes the save, but he gets taken out, as I said, by FTR. And then they hold Sting up a second time. Tully Blanchard just nails him with a low blow and says the line one more time. They couldn't, could they? Well, they're going to. Um, <laughs> the first match at Grand Slam was 
quite frankly, incredible, given how old Sting is and how much he actually did in the match. Um, Darby Allen wasn't really that much of a factor in it. It was the Sting show. I expect this to be the Sting show again because I have a feeling they're going to book this for the Greensboro Coliseum, mm-hmm. uh, which I think they're scheduled for um, for December the 22nd. Sting's obviously got incredible history in that particular venue, which makes me wonder why they're going with this again because Sting and Darby won the first match. Especially I love them as a team. And again, like, they can go for a tag team title match. Like, why the hell not? They're a class tag team. We've had lo- loads of class matches. If they don't hit that, like, 25-minute, quote-unquote, five-star standard, they'll get more noise than anybody else, more emotional investment than anybody else. It's friggin' Sting and Darby Allen. They're great. Um, maybe it's a way of reheating FTR. Um, I don't know how to call that outcome. That is something we can cover in the preview. But I don't hate the direction whatsoever because I thought FTR did such an absolutely magnificent job with Sting um, that this match will be excellent as well. And it was nice, like you say, to see them think, what's next for FTR without having them just disappear for a bit? Because they're so talented. And obviously, you, you know, you're, you're transitioning them out of the title picture now. We've talked at length about Jurassic Express getting involved in there now. Um, but yeah, immediately have them being like, products, we lost that. Well, well, well Kill the old guy now yeah. instead. FTR were just so great in that match that I'm, even if it goes ultimately 50-50, I couldn't give a toss. Like Dax Harwood positioning Sting for the Tombstone pile driver and doing the throat slit gesture as if to say, you're not the fucking Undertaker, even though you get compared to each other. That was a great spot. They obviously wore the NWO gear. All of it was absolutely tremendous. Um, yeah, it's weird that we're getting round two, but I'm not, not in favour of it. Uh, right, it is finally time, Michael Sidgwick, for quite possibly the best AEW in-ring debut ever. Hook's in-ring AEW debut against Fuego del Sol. Uh, I'm reliably informed this was only about three, three and a half minutes. I, I mean, I, I dread to think how much time we've actually dedicated to watching this match yes. between the two of us. I'm, I'm on at least 12 so far. Um Hook's entrance music, we talked about it before, but we didn't really want to spoil it for everyone by talking about it at a length. Action Bronson, perfect, funny. Uh, the crowd, huge reaction for him. Huge pap. Huge pap. Uh, the, the, the way it was presented with the, the, you know, we'd seen, like I said, the fan footage. We hadn't seen the, the camera angles with just the black screens. Then Hook appears, Action Bronson, and he just swaggers out to the ring. His hair somehow perfect and unmoving um and yeah early on you think all i think you know we were we'd been reliably informed this is great from people who were there and what have you but you mentioned before about potential bias of like this is a match of the year was it or were you just happy to yeah. watch i don't begrudge them by the way oh, absolutely have. not i mean I, I i'm angry that we don't get to go to any aw shows that regularly you thought the so. iconics at wrestlemania 35 was the match of the year so you can't <laughs> begrudge these people there yeah <laughs> What was that about Kofi and Bride? Nah, you're right. What about the, I can't remember the tag, the blind tag on it? Iconics are legal. Um, anyway, yes, like I said, we were like, I was just like, please don't, please don't suck, please don't suck. And please don't make it like, right now, here's my arm and I'm going to fit. Nope. He's just fantastic on the mat. Um, judo throws to Fuego del Sol. Credit to Fuego del Sol. We mentioned this on the news, by the way. I think he worked perfectly with him here. Uh, judo throws 
Taz is just exploding on commentary, uh, nails him with some body shots, uh, hits a sort of crotch lift suplex uh, to a huge bap again. Um, I did like, I did feel a little bit sorry for you before you go. He mounts the smallest of comebacks. Crowd like, boo! No! Not this guy! It's, it's like, you've got to give him something. It's not a complete squash. But as he goes to the Tornado DDT, Hook just stops him in his tracks, holds him in place, chucks him like a sack of trash to the mat, um, and then hits this brilliant, just, I mean, flipping, as in Fuego de Sol flipped as he took it, this lariat uh, and an overhead suplex. And I tweeted this clip because I just loved the proud dad of like, see boys, this is what I've been telling. He says something like that, Taz. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. Such a proud dad. There's obviously that uh, photo that we saw on Squared Circle of him applauding his son to the ring. Uh, and then Hook locks in the Katahajime. 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 Taz mission. It's basically his Taz mission. Um, he gets the, 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 the legs in first, which is great. Uh, nice, legit sort of MMA thing of like, right, but you're not going anywhere. Now I've just got to fight, fight the hands. Yeah, gets the submission victory. Uh, and as I pointed out to you, it, I think it was a complete accident, but he didn't release the hold until Action Bronson hit, basically. He's got like a little musical intro, then Action Bronson comes in, and it, it weirdly timed out perfectly for that. But he doesn't even wait to get his hand raised. just like, well, well that's that done. See you later, boys, and just walks out. And, uh, yeah, Twitter explodes, understandably, as a result. Indeed. Uh, something happens when I get really high on an AEW development. And I'm sure the mega fans will forgive me. <laughs> I get so giddy that I decide to just give away my podcast thoughts in Twitter form with, like, <laughs> five tweets all at once. <coughs> so I want the takes. I want the validation for the takes. I want to put them over on all of it. In the way he controlled his body, I'm not expecting him to pull off a black arrow nor given the pro wrestler that he is, should he? But in terms of his ring style and the extent to which I was just mesmerized by how athletic he was, you can tell he's like a college lacrosse player. What a, like, a hard game that must be to play at that level. So between his presence, his aesthetic, his sheer intangible cool factor, the way he can move his body around those drop steps, and uh, one incredible spot where Fuego's about to hip toss him, and he just does it sideways, but lands on his feet as yeah. well. And his working style, he is the essence of Taz and Pac in the vessel of like James Dean, fifties <laughs> teenage heartthrob. Yes. Jesus Christ, this kid is unbelievable. That spot where he landed on his feet from the hip toss, but like. The rotation was odd. It wasn't just because I've seen a million. I've seen Marty Janetti's to be my favorite spot. He would mm -hmm. get hip tossed, land on his feet, and then take the advantage. But it was from like a sideways position. He just yeah. found his feet instantly. Like the level of body control was legitimately pack esque. And another take that I'm sorry I just gave away on Twitter in a, in a fit of giddy excitement, like the mark that I am. Like, he looked like Fuego looked like he could do nothing. And what I mean by that is. The grappling ability of Hook was just incredible. I have just kicked his sh like calf away from his body and just pressed him to the ground. He about bow and arrow submission, like a bow and arrow yeah, submission. Yeah. Feet boom down to the ground, like lifting people off their feet. That ridge hand chop mm. was incredible. I don't know how he can do that and not look silly. But beneath the, th if we're trying to 
get this over. Like, great win, as we said. Great look, great little match and everything. He's trying to chart his progression as a pro wrestler. He's got an enormous advantage having clearly an incredible um, judo background. Like, the way he could pop those hips to just get Fuego just to go over his hips and slam down to the mat. That was great. The ridge hand chop was great. I like the bit where he's right before the submission... He's sort of messing with the mask. I'm not sure if he sort of brought it down slightly over the eyes. But either way, he was not seeing those forehand yeah. smashes coming. That's it all up. the only flaw I had in the match. There was one bit where, well, just before I put that under, I'll put them over again. So it's one thing for him to do his judo stuff and to fold that into his pro wrestling, which he did impeccably. Look at his worked punches to the corner. Like mm. They look great. And like you can't, he can teach a worked punch. It's not something anyone can do. You have to be a great wrestler to be able to throw a great work punch, and he did that excellently in the corner. Two tiny flaws in his game. This is literally his first actual match. Yes. So don't, like, jump down my throat for pointing this out. Every wrestler's got to work on something, even the greats. Um, there was a moment where he was selling for Fuego, and he was kind of, like, strolling almost to the corner. Like, that's something that you'll pick up and learn how to do more. There's obviously nothing wrong with his movement or his athleticism. He's an incredible young athlete. But there was a time when he just didn't know where to put himself or how quickly to put yeah. himself there. So that was one flaw. And the other one with those forearms, I remember he, he registered what he was about to do great. He'd already killed Fuego del Sol enough to the point where like a sort of a dread descended of our Christ Fuego's in trouble. He commanded and engineered that sense of dread he justified getting that reaction by killing Fuego very effectively in the first two and a half minutes. But when he actually did the forearms, it looked like he was a little bit hesitant to go all the way. Mm -hmm. so better that than being a clumsy Nia Jax bastard. <laughs> but well, put some, put a little bit more hook on those. Um, the actual application of the Katahajime was great. Red rum. Sorry, Taz was very insistent that we yes. call it red rum. So we will, in fact, call it red rum. Um, a 9.8 on Pitchfork. Yeah, just wonderful. And I don't normally care about these sort of things. I did like reading all, all the Vince. I was being like, oh, well, he's, just, he's, he's young and he's, he's too small. And so I just like, just, you know, just be like, we're not saying this person would beat Roman Reigns up. Just be happy. Yes. I just, well, I don't, can't have it. I don't get it. We've got unfulfilled lives. Yeah. I feel sorry for them, I do. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Look, we, we, all of Twitter is a group of grown men who realistically should be. Criticizing in good faith the bad and sharing our knowledge of the good illuminate to me why someone's good. I will try and do the same. What we shouldn't do is dunk on Jobber Nation TV's rubbish takes. That's essentially <laughs> what it is. He doesn't believe these things. He's what is called a troll. Yeah. Uh, anyway, before we're luring ourselves and we're ruining the discourse, he's not ruining it. There's always going to be a Jobber Nation TV. Yeah. We're ruining it by trying to dunk. Uh, you're wrong for this reason. That's not an insight. Yeah. That's not a brutal takedown of this faceless avatar. The correct responses to his takes are not insightful. They're obvious. Don't lower yourselves to it. Mm. Uh, we have the back and forth usual stuff here between the uh, super click and the best friends. Uh, I, all I remember is them getting angry when, uh, I mean, Trent wanted to talk at one point. Um, but Wheeler Utah stole Adam Cole's bebe and he was not best yep. pleased about it, which was very, very entertaining. Uh, but following that and following the usual shouting match. Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. 
They've started this new thing, haven't they, now, where... It doesn't say well anymore. Where he has to be like, guys, guys, I've got to do the thing to set us up. And they're arguing back and forth, basically. But it was time for Adam Cole versus Wheeler Utah. Uh, And the story of this match, I suppose, was Adam Cole taking Wheeler Utah far too lightly. And he thought he'd just batter him and really make a statement. He's directing, obviously, a lot of this towards Orange Cassidy. Um, so early on, uh, Adam Cole does take control because he's he's Adam Cole. Um, but Utah manages to block a uh, cradle, gets a pin, uh, gets a near near fall off the back of it. Then he uh, walks straight into a super kick. Adam Cole again takes over. Uh, he suplexes him, mocks Cassidy as we sort of called on the preview. Wheeler Utah does make a comeback though. <coughs> he surprises Cole with some uh, near falls. Cole's just getting wound up by all this. Pump kicks him, neck break off the back of a fireman's carry, dumps him out to the floor and just stares down Orange Cassidy. When they get back in, Cole thinks he's got the match won. He sets up, goes for the Panama Sunrise. But Wheeler, you, you encounters that, sits down on it, sits into a pinfall attempt, uh, gets another near fall after a top rope crossbody. Top rope forearm as well for another near fall. He looks like maybe he's got a chance here. But as he goes for a German suplex, Cole blocks it. Enziguri, again, Cole thinks he's got it sort of uh, won. But Uta come back, comes back with a German suplex for a near fall. Uh, Uta even caught Cole with a modified Olympic slam. Goes for a top, spoke, top rope splash, but Cole gets his knees up. Uta, Uta uh, gets hit with a super kick and then lowers the and Adam Cole lowers the boom to get the pinfall victory. As I've said a few times over the past month or two, I've stopped engaging with obviously bad take takes, uh, bad faith takes. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of everyone's time. There is, however, a kind of a good faith argument that are they getting the most out of Adam Cole? Mm-hmm. Or does that mean the fact that he's in mid-card and upper mid-card feuds <coughs> um, and not like an instant Daniel Bryan-esque figure? Mm-hmm notwithstanding the fact that you can't have too many people in the main event, whatever. I think there's a decent, rare, good-faith debate to be had over Mm -hmm. the positioning of Adam Cole. Um, The feud he's currently embroiled in has me thinking that, funnily enough, Tony Khan knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Adam Cole, at some point, is going to do something major with Adam Cole and or... uh, with Kenny Omega and or Hangman Page. And I think he's got a big title shot on his horizon, that we have to pay for before we do with MGF and Punk. It's all about what someone does in the meantime. And in the meantime, he's in a filler, whatever you want to call it, um, upper mid-card feud to do something that functions to fill television time, give him some wins in the process, quietly build him, build him, build him. That's what you do with a star in a main event, you build him. So this is how they're building him. And I think the way they're building Adam Cole at the minute, is quietly low-key tremendous. Notwithstanding the fact that the guy, not for the first time, has just main-evented a nationally televised cable TV show. (laughs) That in itself is a pretty good indication that they want to push him and they want you to think that he's getting pushed and it's someone to take seriously. They've realized, right, what's Adam Cole brilliant at, right? As a heel, particularly. He's got the best facial expressions (laughs) in wrestling, quite possibly. What? Who can we program Adam Cole with to get the best out of that wonderful shock and incredulity that someone could dare challenge the great, incredibly arrogant Adam Cole. Well, we've got Orange Cassidy, who's bollocks or bullsh, even though it's a strategy, will piss Adam Cole off sufficiently so that he can do these wonderful faces. Wheeler Utah, being in best friends, 
is another great stepping stone for Adam Cole to get to Orange Cassidy, the singles match of which will be great, because Wheeler Yuta has this ring style that means that he outwits people. Like he's does a lot of feints, mm-hmm. does um, Wheeler Yuta. So he feints to do something, catches his opponents unaware, doesn't in fact do the move that he's feigning to do, and then lands him with another move. Adam Cole's reactions to all of this sort of slippery, feigned stuff from Wheeler Yuta were great because... He's got a great face. <laughs> they are getting the most out of Adam Cole's brilliant face with this sort of comedy-flavored upper mid-card feud that I think is incredibly entertaining before Adam Cole does, quote-unquote, really serious business. Yeah, he could be doing a lot worse in terms of keeping him busy before you launch him in the year. One like, again, we've just seen Kenny Omega and Hangman Page finalize a two-year story. These are the parameters Mm -hmm. of the big AEW character arcs. Adam Cole has been in the company since only August. Like, these people, and I don't know when certain fans... I can understand, like, the ones in bad faith because they live unfulfilled lives. (laughs) But even the ones who are in good faith, a little bit anxious about Adam Cole, whether or not he's going to be this big star or feel as big as he was in NXT at its 2019 quote-unquote peak. Like... AEW Booking thinks in years, not just in months or weeks, Mm -hmm. years. And at some point, it would be nice if people could recalibrate their minds and just think, like, the existence of WWE being terrible for so long doesn't mean AEW's going to follow down the same path. He lost a singles match, has he? He lost that match, obviously, with the uh, Young Bucks pay-per-view, but he didn't take the fall, and he's not lost Didn't take the fall, hasn't lost a singles match. Um, And he's going to, you know, he's going to have some fantastic near falls with... Orange Cassidy, where he's going to think, like, oh, I've got this dickhead beat. Yeah. And then suddenly he's going to get caught. Oh, bollocks, bollocks, bollocks. That match will be over as all hell. It'll be entertaining as all hell. It'll be slyly incredibly well-crafted. Just enjoy Cole versus Cassidy. You're going to see Adam Cole's brilliant face. Uh, we got one step close to it after the match as well. A bit of a standoff between what's left of the best friends and the super click following this match. Uh, but Bobby Fish pulls Trent out of the ring, chucks him into the steps, and that allows them to beat down the rest of the best friends. Cassidy is left uh, isolated in the middle of the ring and uh, the Young Bucks hold him up and Cole sets up for doing something huge. What's he going to do? And then he just <laughs> punches him in the cock, basically. Yes. Uh, and then they uh, they all hit the uh, BTE trigger on Trent, who's just come back from all the spine stuff, of course, to end the show as, as real bastards. Yes. Is there a heel turn coming for Trent or is this... General demeanor, just a bit of a knob. Like I've always thought like, this was the, trend. On the beforehand when he's like, shouldn't I be talking now? Yeah. So I've just come back. I don't know if that's just his irreverent sense of humor. Because mm. um, he's the deadpan guy with a bit of an edge to him and best friends, I suppose. But I thought it was pronounced that he was the one who was sort of left to get BTE triggered. And he was the one saying like, oh, why is it about Wheelie Utah? And I've just come back and, you know, I'm better than him. Because Wheelie Utah is essentially his sort of temporary replacement, yeah. if you like. Um but that's the thing with Trent. He's over as all hell. People really like Best Friends as a mid-card act. So maybe I'm barking down the wrong tree or whatever the friggin' expression is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't know if there was something that Trent potentially turning, and I'm not against that direction whatsoever. Mm, yeah, I'd love to see him do some single stuff. 
Don't know whether it's going to take a heel turn to do that, but we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it as with the developments between the best friends and the super click. But let us know your thoughts on AEW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, got the Winter is Coming preview coming later on this week. Already available right now is our SmackDown review from earlier on today. And we'll be back later on with a Monday Night Raw preview too. But for now, this has been the Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. Or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.